Welcome to the Frozen Steel Podcast. I'm Kyle. And I'm Ted. And um, tonight the Penguins take on the Phoenix Coyotes. Um, they go into the game with a record of 38 wins, 14 losses, and 2 losses in overtime. Uh, it's good enough for first in the Metropolitan Division. They're 15 points ahead of second place New York Rangers. And they're first in the Eastern Conference, 7 points ahead of the second place Boston Bruins. Yeah, really big obstacle for Penguins just to stay motivated being this far out. Um, but you got to keep clicking off the wins to hopefully get home ice. Yeah, I was actually surprised at um, their position in the conference. I thought they had more room between them and Boston. But as far as division, I mean, they'd have to slip pretty far to, to lose the division title. Yeah. Yeah, with Boston, it's always been... Nine or ten points. You know, the Penguins have had a few losses recently, but yeah, still have it pretty comfortably. Okay, and, well, I guess part of the reason that the Pens are doing so well is um, a few individuals on their team. Uh, Crosby currently leading the, te- leading the league uh, in points with 75, and that's 11 points ahead of uh, John Tavares, who's second on that list. Um, Crosby also leads the league in assists with 48, He's only one point ahead of Joe Thornton on that. Um, Matt Niskanen is a plus 30, and that's leads the league um, in that category. And then Fleury is uh, first in wins with 29. Yeah, that surprised me a little bit. He's uh, two wins over Andy Niemi right now. Um, but, of course, he is getting the lion's share of the starts. Yeah. Uh, also... Not leading, but also kind of, kind of in the top, you know, five or ten. Uh, Crosby's fifth in goals with twenty-seven goals. Kunitz is fourth in plus-minus at plus twenty-six. And then uh, Flurry's in a five-way tie uh, for shutouts. He's had four shutouts this season. Yeah, it's another thing you can attribute to all the starts he has. Um... A little surprising with the play of Jeff Satkoff that he's still not getting a whole lot of starts. Um, I know a lot of people said with his last game against Los Angeles that he looked rusty, which is not really surprising with uh, the amount of games he has played recently. Yeah, he is. What has he played? About 10 games or so? Yeah. Like all season? And aside from the first two, he's been, you know, he's been decent in all of them. Right. He's been pretty yeah. good in a few. Yeah, it earned him a one way contract. Uh, you know, not huge money, but six hundred thousand a year, mm-hmm. and you know. But really, the only time you expect him to play is when there's a back-to-back. Pretty much, yeah. <clears throat> and he played, um, played against the Kings because the Pens are currently on the on their moms' trip, so their players' moms are uh, traveling with the team, so everyone is kind of rotating in. So that's why. Played against the Kings, it wasn't a back-to-back situation, but mm-hmm. trying to get everyone exposure there. And that was actually a big win for Zatkoff. Uh, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, he was drafted by the Kings. Oh, yeah. Um, Zatkoff didn't say anything in his interviews. He's not really the kind of guy that's going to start controversy. <laughs> um, but he is unhappy with how he was handled with the Kings. Oh. Um, you know, being behind guys like Jonathan Quick. But he... Did not have a single NHL start with them, and just kind of felt like he never got a chance. So I guess that was so. a big, big win for him. Hmm. 
Did he come straight from L.A. to the Penguins then? Um, you know, AHL teams. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, basically. Well, his play actually makes um, the Thomas Vokun situation a little interesting because uh, Vokun has, he's still injured, he's still on the IR, but he's resumed skating and uh, took limited shots after practice last week um, from other injured players, but... Right. And the injured players are Bill Bennett and Joe Vitale, which they have wrist or hand injuries. So yeah, have some upper body. Yeah, they're not taking hard, hard shots by any means. Right. But there's something else I was thinking about, though, with Vokun, um, if he comes back, um, I think you would want him to get some starts. Yeah. You know, uh, we just lauded Zakoff for his play, but at the same time, if something happens in the playoffs... You want to be able to turn to Thomas Vokun, uh, just kind of that proven commodity. And, you know, it's be a little bit of an interesting situation to have three goaltenders. Yeah. But it would be kind of nice for Marc-Andre Fleury just to give him a chance to rest. Mm-hmm. And on a day Vokun would be scheduled to start, you could dress Zatkoff as the backup, backup and actually give Fleury the night off and he can sit up in the press box. That's true. That's true. Um I mean, Vokun's still probably a, a ways away, because um, yeah. he's got, I mean, he's still just taking, you know, shots after the team practices, and then once he gets healthy enough to be in a game, he's been out so long, they'll probably send him down to Wilkes-Barre to do a conditioning stint. Um, yeah, which is probably a good idea. Yeah, I mean, how how rusty is, what is he, 37? Yeah. How rusty is he going to be? He hasn't played since... June, mm-hmm. or maybe the beginning of training camp. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, it'll be tough, but um, I definitely think he can can come back from this and have some quality starts. Yeah, I I like your idea about carrying three <laughs> goaltenders, though, giving Flurry some time off. Um, like I opened with uh, playing the Coyotes tonight, they're fifth in the Pacific Division. And um, for tonight's game, Tang is actually doubtful to play. Um, he's sick. He missed the game against the Kings and is probably going to miss tonight's game, too. So, I know some people think the Pens defense plays better without Latang. And you know, something we were talking about earlier before the podcast was the strength of the defense now, um, how deep the organization is. And for those of you who don't know what the Black Aces are, uh, once the AHL, the minor league affiliate of the Penguins, is out of their playoffs, if the Penguins are still in the playoffs, they will then call up a lot of the players. Because once you're in the playoffs, there's no longer a roster limit or a cap limit. So they will actually call up guys just to give them experience to travel with the team and all that. Uh, However, as strong as their defense is... You know, you can call up the top four from Wilkes-Barre, and, you know, if there's a need, I don't really think you'd hesitate to plug any of them in. Right, because um, because of all the injuries, most of those people that would be called up from Wilkes-Barre have already had numerous games played with the team this year. Right. Yeah, and, you know, if you feel like Latang's taking too many chances and you want someone more defensive, you know... There's always, you know, Bortuzzo and Engelin now, which, you know, Engelin might 
end up solidifying the spot as a winger uh, come playoff time. You England? But, oh, yeah, England. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, if there's any issues on defense, you know, they can plug in Brian Dumoulin. Yeah. You know, give someone like that a shot. Simone Dupre. Yep. Um, I know there's been talk amongst people as well. Um, some people want to trade Latang before his new contract because they think he's too much of a liability. He's more of a liability than he is a, a positive on the blue line. Um, what do you think about that? I don't think that's something you need to rush. Um, it's not like there's a deadline when the contract hits. Uh, during the negotiations, one of the sticking points, really, that I mean, the negotiations go on as long as they did, was Latang wanted a full no-movement clause, and uh, Ray Sherrill would not give in on that. So there is a limited movement clause. I believe Latang can give a list of 10 teams that he's willing to go to. Mm. So there's still some negotiating that can go on. Um, but, you know, when you talk about Latang, he was actually... You know, he f- tied? I th- yeah, I think he tied P.K. Subban last season in points. Yeah, he was like a runner-up for the Norris yeah. uh, trophy then, last yeah, season. Yeah, he was in the talks for the Norris. Uh, so Probably know. probably would have been a Canadian Olympian had he not been injured this season, too. Right. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, so just, you know, talking about his very recent resume, <laughs> you know, not too bad. So it's yeah. definitely not something you want to rush. Uh, you know, a lot of people wanted to dump Paul Martin after his first season in Pittsburgh. Right. Uh, even if you want to think a little further back, Sergey Gonchar did not have a good first year in Pittsburgh. No, that was pretty uh, bad. Yeah, and people wanted him out, and he ended up being one of the best defensemen the Penguins have ever had. So it's definitely not something you want to jump to. You don't need to make the trade now. Um, you know, basically give him the chance to turn it around. It's not something you need to do now. Right. I mean, there's an argument that, like, a lot of it is rust. Like, he was injured for so long, plus he's getting used to a new partner in Scuderi. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's probably not that he's just kind of abandoned all of his defensive abilities, but more so he's just kind of not, you know, adjusted to, to who he's playing with. And, you know, everybody else is a little farther ahead because of, not being injured or, mm. or something. Right, and that's chemistry is a big thing. You know, talking about him and Rob Scuderi, and even Paul Martin and Brooks Orpik, they haven't played together all that much this year because yeah. of them both being injured at different times. And if you look at how good the defense was with all the injuries, uh, the top pairing was Niskanen and Mata, who have been playing together. Yeah. And then the AHL call-ups, they were playing their usual pairings. So, right, knew so. each other. So, I mean, it's just one of those things that takes time and, you know, still a few months away from the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, so everything will get sorted out. That would be a blockbuster trade, though. Yeah, you need to... If you, I mean, if you trade Latang, you better get something back. Yes. Yeah, I mean, in my mind, anyway, that's by no means a salary dump. No. You know, you think of the trade for Ryan Whitney... Um, that was more a salary dump. It ended up turning out well because we got Chris Kunitz in it. But yeah, with Latang, you need to get something in return. You need to get draft picks. You need to get roster players. Yeah, that like impact be, roster yeah. players. Like yeah. Marion Gabrick or something. 
Um, anyway, um, the Pens have four games, and then there's the Olympic break for two and a half weeks. And then after that, um, their next game is the 27th of February. So kind of a light month for players not going to the Olympics. Yeah, it's a long break. It's over two weeks. Uh, you know, Dan Bosman will be in Russia with Team USA. Um, I did hear that some players are going on vacation. Uh, mm-hmm. Jeff Zatkoff is going to the Bahamas for a week. And I think that's kind of the plan is everyone taking a week off. Uh, but then they'll get back to Pittsburgh and actually hold practices. Uh, Tony Granado actually will be with Bilesma as an assistant coach. Mm. But Jacques Martin will be holding practices with the rest of the players in Pittsburgh. So oh. they'll at least get to skate and, uh, you know, hopefully just a chance for everyone to rest, get healthy, and yeah. be ready. Not get injured on their vacation. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> um, there was an article from uh, rantsports.com about UC Jokinen. Uh, the article is uh, UC Jokinen becoming a, a must-re-sign for Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, it's by this guy Jeff Hartman. And uh, basically just talking about how impressive a year Jokinen is have, having and how much he impacts, you know, the, basically both sides of the ice, the mm-hmm. offense and defense. So I think we're pretty much both in agreement to re-signing him would be a good good idea. Yeah. I mean, it's surprising at one point last year, you know, Carolina – um, not a terrible team, but at the same time, they struggle offensively at times. Uh, they placed Jokinen on waivers. And, you know, he just couldn't find a spot on the roster, and now he's doing well in Pittsburgh. Uh, I think the real question is, though, what do you pay him? Yeah. I I really don't know. Um, I just know if he's gone, there's a giant hole on the second line again. Because mm-hmm. I think him and Malkin have a chemistry together. Yeah. And even when Malkin was out, him and Neil were still putting up points. Yeah. So, just those three guys work pretty well together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, top six forwards <clears throat> are something you want, especially yeah. with the age of Chris Kunitz and Pascal Dupuis right now. Uh, and Dupuis, at his age, tearing an ACL, that'll take a while to recover from. Mm-hmm. And then you mentioned both sides of the ice. Uh you know, if you watch certain plays, you can see how much James Neal and Evgeny Malkin cherry pick. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you you need a two way forward. You know, and yeah. I think Jokinen really makes up for their play in the defensive zone by, you know, being solid in his own end. Yeah. Also, Jokinen, um, he's like a natural centerman. He can play all three forward positions, so that also kind of adds to his uh, defensive responsibility. I think. Mm-hmm. And that's why they uh, picked him up last year was because of his versatility. They needed yeah. someone. Um, yeah, he's in the final year of his contract. He has a cap hit of two point one million. Just really raises the question of what's he worth. Do you think who who is more important to retain, UC um, Jokinen or Brooks Orpik? Because they're both contracts are up after this year. Uh, I don't know, I might get some criticism for this, but I think you have to give the the nod to Jokinen. Uh, Orpik, you know, he's been great in Pittsburgh, but due to his age, mm-hmm. and uh, I know now he's known more of a 
as a stay-at-home defenseman, but for much of his career, he was you know known as a physical defenseman, and I think that has taken a toll on him. And you know, I would just I think Yokin would be more important at this point, especially with your depth at defense. Yeah, yeah, the organization has much more depth at defense than they do at forward. So, mm-hmm. also, like you said, Orpic style of play might have taken a toll on his his uh, him physically because he's. Definitely not all the time, but every once in a while, every couple of games, you can see that he'll he'll be beat on the point, mm-hmm. you know, a few times and not be able to have the speed to recover. Right. Um, but he's he is the oldest, not the oldest, but the longest serving Penguin. He's been on the team the longest. So. Yeah. Be a, some people might have a hard time walking away from him. That's true. I mean, he is an alternate captain. Mm-hmm. Uh, before Crosby came along, many people thought he would be the captain of the Penguins someday. You know, real leader. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, it's getting to the point where there's not too many people around anymore that won the Cup on Pittsburgh. I think, I mean, this is probably, you know, a long time from now, but I think Orpik is the kind of player that could transition into coaching pretty well because he does... Absolutely. He's yeah. a, you know, he seems to be all about accountability and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think it wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised if someday Brooks Orpik was coaching a team somewhere. Yeah. yeah um, back when the Penguins didn't play real well under Bosma and even back under Terrian, um, you know, they would hold the player only meetings at times. And I'm sure Orpik was <coughs> one of the leaders of those meetings. Mm hmm. So, along with, you know, the Penguins UFAs, um, draft, or not draft, the deadline, the trade deadline is coming up March 5th. So pretty much as soon as games resume after the Olympic break, there's a, there'll be a buzz for the trading deadline. Yeah, the GMs are really, I mean, they're going to make their money because <laughs> the Penguins' first game back is the 27th, and then you have the deadline on the 5th, so it comes up pretty quick. Yeah, it's like six days. Um, the Pens probably will look to fill the uh, right wing on the top line because right now it's kind of being played by three players, uh, Gibbons, Kobasu, and Megna, and uh, probably going to go after a, maybe not a big-name guy, but a a bigger name, a definite NHLer. Um well, actually, before we get into that, uh, really the biggest names are goalies in this upcoming trade deadline. So That's true. Um, really not something the Penguins are interested in, so they might for once not have the biggest trade of the deadline. <laughs> uh, but Ryan Miller and Tim, Tim Thomas are uh, probably the biggest names out there um, who will be rentals at the deadline, and both of them, <clears throat> their teams are not in it. So Yeah. Uh, you know, we were talking earlier that possibly Philadelphia might want Ryan Miller just to try and solidify that position for the playoff run. Could be, could be. Even, uh, I don't know, even Detroit. I mean, I know they have Jimmy Howard, but I feel like you give Ryan Miller the, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, I mean, there's going to be some of those players between the you know, sixth and tenth position 
in their division that you know might want to take a shot at them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, as far as forwards and even defense go, uh, well, more so with forwards, there aren't a whole lot of uh, huge names that are. There are not a whole lot of huge names on the list, and there are even less that make sense for the Penguins right now. Um, like Marion Gaborik will be available, but he's playing on Columbus. They're challenging to get into the playoffs right now. I think they're one point out or very close to being in. Yeah. I'm not real sure, but they're they're right there, so they're not going to give that guy up. And even if they did, you know, he's like $7.5 million. So would that fit on the team, you know? So there's a real limited market of uh, of players the Pens are probably going to go after. And one thing you have to remember, <clears throat> I don't think you really want to com- uh, repeat the whole Jerome McGinley fiasco last year. Uh, Dupuis played right wing, and that's really what they need to be looking for is another right winger. Right. Or someone who is versatile. Um, so two of the right wing... We were looking at the list of uh, unrestricted free agents, and two of the natural right-wingers that uh, we thought made sense for the Penguins were Alice Hemsky from the Edmonton Oilers and um, Yamir Yager uh, from the New Jersey Devils. Yeah, with Yager, uh, his age, of course, is a, a downside, and... Last year in the playoffs, played 20 games, had 10 assists, but did not score a goal in the entire playoffs. Of course, Boston went all the way to the Cup Finals. Right. And that was actually a trade that a lot of people in Boston were excited about, but didn't quite work out. So I don't know if Ray Sherrill is going to be looking at those numbers and maybe deciding against it. And I'm not sure if uh, Sherrill maybe has a little bit of bad blood with Yager he offered him a contract a few years ago, and uh, he went to Philadelphia instead. Um, but yeah, really going down the list, uh, the name that made the most sense to us was Aless Hemsky. Uh, 30 years old, uh, just kind of seems like the kind of guy that could play on Crosby's wing and mm-hmm. you know be able to keep up with him. Yeah, that's the key. Crosby plays a fast-paced style, so you got to have someone who can who can motor a little bit. Um, there were two other players that we thought of. They're not natural right-wingers, though. There's uh, Matt Molson. He's a left-winger. Um, traded from the Islanders and now is playing in Buffalo. Um, that team has no chance of being in the playoffs. So um, that's a possibility. And also, uh, Ole Jokinen, uh, he's a center for Winnipeg. Also, UC Jokinen's brother. <coughs> I mean, I don't know if he's as versatile as his uh, younger brother, if he can play all three forward positions or not. So, But those are, those are two other guys that are, uh, that are out there and available. Yeah, Jokinen, natural center, which I believe that's UC's natural position as well. Yeah. Um, I honestly don't know if they've played together. I assume they have in Finland, yeah. and they'll be playing together uh, in the Olympics. Uh, one thing that really surprised me, you know, we were looking up these guys before, and uh, Ole Jokinen has only been in the playoffs once in his <laughs> entire career. Uh, I was a big Ole Jokinen fan back when he was in Florida. 
Uh, not a great team, but he seemed to play really well uh, every time they played the Penguins, at least. Yeah, definitely. And uh, he was actually a trade deadline pickup by Calgary and played in one round there. <laughs> played six games. I think he had five points. Um, and he plays in the Olympics, so I don't think there's any problem with him rising to the occasion. Yeah, I mean, he's a veteran, and you know he this would be his second time in the playoffs if the Penguins did pick him up. So, I mean, I'm sure you get a bit of instant leadership and also just kind of... Kind of like a Brendan Morrow situation from last year, like yeah. you know, a guy going to a team trying to win a Stanley Cup. I don't, I don't know if Jokinen is necessarily at the end of his career. He probably has a few more years. I'd say so. He's, you know, he's not putting up the numbers they used to, but um, I don't see him retiring very soon. Right. Uh, the only really downside for Jokinen is his age. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's going to be a red flag for. <clears throat> scouts or for Shero. Um, just have to see what happens with that. Yeah, the age situation would be for him and Yager because mm-hmm. not really sure how old Molson is, but I think he might be younger than Hemsky, so he's yeah, you know, thirty or under. Yeah, and then with Molson, uh it's really not a name we came up with, uh heard talks around the league that, you know, he'd be one of the rentals uh of course playing with Buffalo, so Buffalo's gonna try and acquire uh, any sort of prospects or draft picks they can get, so they'll be looking to unload some players. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, as far as the trade deadline goes, anything can happen. You yeah, know, things get crazy at times. Um, you know, say the Penguins really do want Hemsky, but they end up getting outbid. Then all of a sudden, they're thinking, "Well, we gotta get someone." Right. So they might go for a player like Jokinen. Yeah, I mean, there was another player actually from Buffalo that I had heard. I think Bob Airy mentioned um, uh, Steve Ott, who is center on Buffalo, but he's kind of a, you know, a tougher guy, mm-hmm. and um, maybe, maybe that is kind of the person you want, or at least he wanted <laughs> in the playoffs. And I don't know. I think a lot of people are going to be uh, a lot of people are going to be offering uh, teams like Buffalo um, some trades because, you know. They're a basement team, and yeah, it's they're gonna be definite a, sellers. It's going to be a busy day for them. <clears throat> oh, with Ott, I think of him as more of a third liner, really, or on a team like Pittsburgh, anyway. Um, I know sometimes you can have players like that, you know, on a top line for the playoff run, but yeah, I'm not sure he would be at the top of the list. Well, that's another good point. Is right now we're talking about a guy to fill, you know, a top six wing spot. But also, you know, do you think that the bottom six is where they need to be for a long playoff run, or do you need to, you know, address some things for maybe um, Sutter's wing, or you know, trying to get tougher on the fourth line? Well, first of all, I'd say no. The bottom six is not where they need to be. Um, but you can chalk up much of that to injuries, I think. Uh, you know, they possibly could have the bottom six they need. Uh, and that's going to be a tough decision for them because there's not that many games left. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Tanner Glasses came on really good, really strong recently. Yeah, and Taylor Pyatt, um, he's definitely shown more than I think a lot of people yeah. thought he would. Yeah, he he took a little bit to warm up, and, but he's playing uh, pretty good now too. The problem is, you know, the third line used to be Stahl, Cook, Kennedy, 
which some people refer to as the best third line in hockey. Uh, but really, Sutter with Glass and Pyatt, that's not a terrible line. No, that's that's true. That is a and, pretty good line. I mean, they can be defensively sound. I think uh, the fourth line gets better when Vitaly um, comes yeah. back from injury, too. Yeah, that's the one frustrating thing for me is Vitaly's injury because I would like to see uh, Adams, Vitaly, which those two have played together before, along with Engeland, to see if they can gel together and be a solid fourth line. Yeah. Uh, I know that's kind of weird to be talking about fourth lines right now, but you need those role players when you're in the playoffs. Yeah. You know, look at the play of guys like Craig Adams back when they won the Cup and, you know, Yarko were too. You know, those guys were vital. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then, um, you know, Max Talbot had the only two goals in the uh, Mm -hmm. Cup-winning game. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely, you want people that, you know, for your fourth line, you want it to be at least not a liability, but in the playoffs, it's got to be more than that. You've got to yeah, get yeah. a goal or two from them as well. And you have to cycle. You have to right. be able to cycle the puck. Yeah. That ha- that really has to be your strength if you're on the fourth line. Yeah, you have to. Puck possession is is key. I also like uh, Anglin much more as a forward than a defenseman. Yeah, he's been very impressive. And he can even chip like an four offensively. goals, I yeah. think. Yeah, yeah, and a guy like Adams, you know, you don't think of his offensive ability very much, but you know him, Adams, and you know throw Vitaly in there. I think if you can get those guys to gel, you know that mm-hmm. can happen, and like you said, maybe even get a few goals. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's maybe not the main concern, but you know injuries are are going to happen. So mm-hmm. I don't know what what can you do. <laughs> Well, they do have a little bit of depth. You know, we talk about Ebbett and Megna. You know, you don't necessarily want to, <clears throat> to go into the playoffs with them, you right. know, in a top Being six your role. starter, yeah. But, you know, if someone goes down, you need to insert them as the 12th uh, forward. You know, that's definitely doable. Mm-hmm. You know, you also double shift and, and dress eight or seven demon and just double shift Malkin yeah. and Crosby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of options, but that picture will be clearer um, after the Olympic break. I know it's a, it will be a busy six days, but uh, absolutely, it's weird. Like the NHL is uh, like trading in in the NHL is is so prevalent. You know what I mean? Like there's been already there's been trades, and there will be numerous trades on the trade deadline. It's just like, it's like one of the sports hallmarks, I guess, of the NHL is that trading happens a lot in season instead yeah. of in the off season. Which I like it. I like the fact that teams aren't afraid to pull the trigger on that. Uh, the only sport that really rivals it is baseball, I would say. Um, you know, you have rentals there. But, yeah. You know, basketball a little bit. You know, football is pretty much non-existent. Yeah, it's like so. unheard of in the yeah. NFL. But no, it's it's good. I mean, you know, they're not afraid to tinker with their teams, and also it's challenging for the coaches. You get like a new yeah. set of players, you know, with under a quarter of the season to go, and you got to. The reason you have those players is because you were good enough to get to the playoffs. So it's like, here's three new guys <laughs> win a championship. But still, if you look at some of the past acquisitions, like 
picking up Marion Hosa and Bill Guerin, you know, how vital were those pickups? Right, yeah, true. There were some that didn't pan out, like Ponikarovsky. And Aginla. Yeah, Aginla didn't didn't pan out either. I guess you could throw Moro in. Like, those three, did those three pan out? Moro, uh, Aginla, and Murray. Murray. <laughs> I mean, I liked Murray. You know, he was, you have to remember, he was brought in as a, you know. A beast? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was brought in as a number five defenseman that's going to hit anything that moves. Right. And he did that. Uh, Morrow, I wouldn't really call a flop because he should have been on the second line. And if they would have kept him there, the Penguins would have played a lot better. But Yeah, I think, I don't know. I think there's a such thing as too many moves. I think we did, the Penguins didn't need to get both Morrow yeah. and Aginla. It, I'm sure it ended up being... The Penguins got Aginla because because they didn't want yeah, Boston. Boston to have didn't it. have them then, and you know, so that made Boston a little bit less of a team. But in turn, it made <laughs> but it didn't work. Yeah, it made Pittsburgh a little less of a team as well. <laughs> but like I said, they did too much last year. But really, all you're looking for this year is one player, pretty I much, mean, pretty much. You know, I can see them picking up maybe one guy for the bottom six, but that's not going to kill the chemistry like no. you know, bringing in bringing in a Hall of Famer. So, do you think that they're going to give up any roster players or just AHLers and prospects, or if they give up anything, what are they going to? What are they dealing with? I don't really see any roster players leaving. I mean, who are you going to give up? I don't know. Uh, you know, there's maybe guys like Pyatt and Glass. Who maybe Kobasu. Yeah, but at the same time, you have to think he was a uh, training camp tryout. So right. I don't think there's a lot of yeah, uh, you know, a lot of people out there that want him. That's true. And then guys like you know Bortuzzo, you know. He's probably not a whole lot of worth there. Yeah, there's too much promise with Bortuzzo, though. He's True. a young guy, and he plays... When he plays, he plays pretty well. I mean, if a big name goes, I would think it would be Simone Dupre. Um, you know, a guy that has yeah about 50 games of NHL experience. Uh, not real highly touted in Pittsburgh, but I think he could be a solid NHL defenseman. Yeah. But other than that, you're looking at... Uh, draft picks and prospects. Yeah, the Pens definitely have young D men to deal. So yeah, uh, that's what they did last year with yeah. uh, Joe Morrow. Um, Which at the same time you don't want to see him give too much up because I really like what I've seen with Dupre and Dumoulin, even Samuelson. Who yeah, got a little bit of time in Pittsburgh. Yeah, every I mean obviously the Pens won when they were up, <laughs> so yeah. they weren't liabilities really. So um, it's. I don't know. It's a confusing, murky picture. Yeah, training's hard to do. That'd be a tough job in the NHL to be a GM. Definitely. But I guess we'll find out. Mm-hmm. So I think that might be all we have for, for this edition. So uh, have fun. See you. <laughs>